Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. This Weekly Standard Podcast is brought to you by the American Sugar Alliance. Whether you live in one of the many communities dependent upon sugar production or are a taxpayer saving scarce federal dollars, you're benefiting from America's sugar producers. Learn more at sugaralliance.org. Please welcome Rel Mark Garrett with the Weekly Standard. Thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. My, my pleasure. So before we get specifically to Iran and the great piece, cover piece you have for the Weekly Standard, do you see an overlap between the behavior of the Obama administration and the other regional issues, or is Benghazi a scandal all its own? Well, I'm not, I'm not sure that Benghazi uh, yet rises to the level of a scandal, I have to say. Uh, I think there are separate issues in Benghazi. The State Department obviously uh, did not have sufficient security uh, resources in place in Libya. I think that is, in all probability, uh, a direct response to the president's not wanting to really be there. That when he wanted to have a light footprint in Benghazi, I think those sentiments uh, transferred pretty powerfully uh, to state and to Pentagon. Right. Uh, so they simply did not have the resources in place, despite the requests coming from the department's regional security officers on location to have what would be necessary for a robust response to a, a terrorist attack. Uh, I'm not convinced that there's anything in the emails or talking points that would rise uh, to a scandal. Uh, that seems to me to be much of that to have stemmed from, I think, rather poorly chosen words uh, by the CIA, in particular by David Petraeus, uh, that made a link to what happened to Benghazi, to the demonstrations in Cairo. Uh, I think the regrettable um, uh, speeches by Susan Rice on the Sunday news programs and by the president later before the United Nations uh, you know, developed that narrative, which obviously was unsubstantiated. Uh, and because the CIA statements, uh, original drafting points were, were to be delivered to Congress, uh, married in and mirrored uh, those, those speeches, that narrative, uh, I think we had uh, a, a very a nasty and unpleasant situation develop uh, over those talking points. Uh, you know, in, in, your piece for, in your piece for the Weekly Standard, you point out that after 34 years of seeing what's happened in the Iranian Revolution and all of these constant drumbeat of loathing against the United States, that some people just can't see that wall. They seem, oh no, it's it's just like dealing with another, you know, in, uh, another nation. And I just, to me, the the commonality is the willful blindness of. When I was watching on TV, I saw a terrorist attack. When I saw that, when I heard that mortar, mortar fire was in, I saw a terrorist attack. Is it willful blindness or just ineptitude? Well, I think in Benghazi, it's it's more a question of uh, ineptitude and uh, what is just essentially standard operating procedure for the U.S. government, and that is uh, when they anyone is sending talking points to Congress. Uh, the reflex uh, in the American foreign policy establishment is to be incredibly cautious. Uh, it is a very frustrating uh, process. 
uh, Sherlock Holmes would commit suicide. <laughs> uh, but that is, that is the nature of the way the American government works. From the outside, with hindsight, retrospect, it can seem like uh, it can seem deeply suspicious. It can seem like a conspiracy. But I think the reality is, is uh, this is just simply the way the U.S. government works. Uh, there's been a lot of conversation about one reason that there's the Benghazi, there wasn't just direct conversation, one reason we haven't heard from the other people who left the CIA facilities, that there's some connection between what we were doing in Libya, what's happening in Syria, and then, of course, the proxy war with Iran. You know more about, you forgot more about this during this conversation than I will ever know. What do you yeah. think? What, what should we put together? I, I doubt it. I mean, I think the, the agency forces... Uh, in Benghazi were were there uh, the, to uh, deal with the weapons, um, the stockpiles of weapons that were in Libya uh, and that were uh, bleeding out into radical groups. I think they were there to try to get a grip on that. Uh, I think they were there secondarily to provide intelligence on Libya, but uh, strictly secondarily. Uh, I... I I mean, one of the reasons why the agency talking points, I think, are a bit embarrassing is that if you've got such a large base in, in Benghazi, um, you know, they didn't provide any heads up on a terrorist hit in Benghazi itself. Uh, that's not surprising. Uh, the agency's not very good on tactical intelligence. It never has been. Uh, I don't think it was connected at all with, with Syria, and it certainly wasn't uh, connected uh, with you know, Iranian involvement in Syria. What is the current status of uh, Iran, Iran's pursuit of nukes, and the Obama administration's policy? Well, I mean, I think Iran has followed a fairly methodical program, and that is that they, they decided once uh, their clandestine enrichment facilities were revealed in late 2002, uh, they decided to more or less maintain what you might call an open weapons program, and that is to use the nonproliferation treaty, the NPT, to try to safeguard actually the development of, a, of, a, of, a, of an atomic weapon. And that's what they've done since. They've 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 hovered just below the threshold of what might be considered outrageous. Uh, so they've developed. Uh, and built uh, in the underground enrichment facilities. They've uh, increased substantially their centrifuges, their centrifuge capacities. They've just introduced a new uh, centrifuge called an IR-2, which is based on the Pakistani P-2, uh, which will significantly, if it works well, will significantly increase how much they can enrich, and it will uh, lower what we, we call a, a breakout capacity, that is, the speed at which they could produce enough uranium for one or two weapons uh, without uh, the IAEA, the International Atomic Energy Agency, or Western Intelligence Services being able to detect it, let alone the U.S. military being able to stop it. Uh, so I think the Iranians are making considerable progress. If you just do the math on the, on the centrifuges, uh, I would say, you know, they're they're looking at a breakout capacity by mid to late 2014. Uh, so we are finally, I think, getting to the end of this. I think the Obama administration obviously would not want to go there. It's not different uh, than 
uh, say, the Bush administration that also didn't really want to deal with this issue. Uh, um, so the president is soon going to have to show whether he's bluffing when he said that uh, he would not allow the Iranians to develop a nuclear weapon, or uh, um, he, he's going to have to ha- have to strike. I, I think the odds uh, I, are in favor of him not doing anything, and certainly his actions in Syria. Uh, with the transgression of his self-imposed red line, uh, indicate clearly that the president really doesn't want to get involved in another military conflict in the Middle East. Will Israel let them cross that line? I'm not sure Israel's really in the capacity to do anything about it. I think if the Israelis were going to strike, I think they would have done so done so a lot earlier uh, when Iran was less developed. Uh, you know, all democracies inevitably postpone military conflict, uh, and that's true in the Israelis. Uh, taking on Iran is a really uh, big thing. Uh, the Israelis don't have that many aircraft to throw at this problem. Uh, they have to worry about the Hezbollah missile attacks coming in in Israel at the same time. So the amount of, of, of throw weight they can, throw, they can put on this problem uh, isn't that large. Uh, they'd be lucky if they could get one wave, uh, not even two waves, uh, off the ground against Iran's facilities. So they've got a really difficult problem. Uh, so I, it's, I, I think it's fair to say both the Americans and the Europeans who were uh, sincerely worried that the uh, Israelis were going to strike are now much less concerned about that, that issue as it has become more apparent that... Uh, the Israeli cabinet really doesn't want to do this. Right. Ruel Mark Garrett, contributing editor to the Weekly Standard and a senior fellow at the Foundation for the Defense of Democracies. Thanks so much for your time. This Weekly Standard podcast brought to you by the American Sugar Alliance. Learn more at sugaralliance.org. Also check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham. My pleasure.